happy Monday. You are listening to the Tar Devils Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network, where we talk Duke, UNC, ACC basketball. And welcome into the Tar Devils Podcast, episode 18, the final episode of our first season, John. It kind of feels surreal. It does not feel like 18 episodes. This season flew by. A lot of ups and downs. If you're a Duke fan, definitely more downs. If you're a UNC fan, recently it seems like more downs too. My name is Tyler Azari, the objective Duke fan in this duo. Speaking with my good friend, John Bowman. John, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Our podcast uh, weekly series ended and then all this news dropped right away. It was crazy. Uh, <laughs> we had Walker Kessler transferring. We had Walker Miller transferring. We had Dayron Sharp leaving for the NBA draft. And then uh, UNC's head coach decided to retire, uh, which was just crazy. Roy Williams uh, saying goodbye after all those seasons in Kansas and Chapel Hill. Uh, so we are going to talk a lot about that tonight and also talk about Hubert Davis, the new head coach for the Tar Heels. Yep, and then uh, so we'll talk about that first. Then we'll get into live reaction, the end of the basketball season. Gonzaga and Baylor are playing a national championship game. We will react live right after that game. And then we will end with discussing more of the Duke UNC transfers already and, and get into some of the recruiting battles uh, for the rest of this the end of this season. So, John, let's start with talking about UNC. Roy Williams, surprisingly, on April Fool's Day of all days, decides to retire. John, what is your reaction to Roy Williams being no longer the head coach? My first reaction when I saw the, the tweet go out from UNC and the press release, I went to the bottom of the press release, scrolled all the way down, and I looked for uh, April Fool's Day because I thought for sure Me too. Um, it must have been. But after a few minutes, it kind of set in that Roy Williams was going to retire. When you sit down and think about it, it, it does make sense that now is the time that he is going to uh, exit. He talked a lot about this in his uh, press conference when he decided to uh, depart. He just reflected that he didn't feel like he was the man for the job anymore. He takes losses extremely hard, and after two very hard seasons uh, and all of those close losses that UNC had a season ago. And then even this year, just not getting the team, as he said, not getting the team to where it needed to go. He felt like it was time for him to step away. So it was definitely shocking that it happened on April 1st, um, but not entirely surprising um, given you know how old Roy Williams is, how tough he takes losses. He wasn't going to be able to coach forever, and he wanted to take now – uh, to kind of step away from the game. Uh, and he ultimately is passing the torch to uh, essentially his and Dean Smith's protege. So we're going to talk a lot about uh, more about Hubert Davis in a little bit. Tyler, what was your reaction to Roy Williams retiring? Well, I was a little bit shocked at first because it seemed to have come out of nowhere. But when you think about it, I think it makes a lot of sense um, because – I started, I've mentioned many times that I don't think Roy has the ability to coach the one and dones. It's not how his system's built. And when he built his program, it's based on three and four year players and 
you know, building that UNC mentality and working through his system. So now that he's had Cole Anthony, his first big one and done, you see how that season went. I've, I've told you before, I don't think he coached Nasir Little very well. And now this season was supposed to be a, an exciting class, a very disappointing season again. So I think he sees where the game is going with the one and dones and realizes I'm not the man for the job anymore. It's not too shocking to me uh, when I think about it. Coach K started, or he used to work the system basketball too, but he's adjusted for the past six or seven years to one and dones. And Roy never made that adjustment. Why Coach K is still coaching and, and Roy is going to retire. But I don't know if you saw um, Roy's comments on Dayron, Dayron Sharp leaving. But it actually, when I think about that too, it makes more sense why he's retiring. Um, he said he he wished Baycott good luck in the NBA. And then said if he if he is more focused in the future, he can reach his, basically reach his potential and be a better player. Kind of taking a parting shot, in my opinion, saying how he was he had a lack of focus and discipline at UNC, which you don't see very often from a big time recruit like that who played you know a pretty good season. So I was wondering, is is this Roy? Is Roy the problem with he can't get to these uh, one and done guys the way he can with older players, or is it just the new player mentality? All these guys come in, think they're going to be the man, and maybe they don't think they have to work as hard as they will have to, or they don't want their coach getting on them. So I really didn't know the answer to that, but it seems that Roy, in the end, doesn't matter which which one it, it is, if it's him or the players, they're just not going to mesh well. So in the end, you get Coach Roy leaving. I don't know if you saw one more comment from Larry Drew recently, which how does Larry Drew come back up in the news? He sucked. I thought he was long gone, but he said, Roy Williams is the greatest recruiter to front as a coach of all time. Pretty harsh, but not surprising considering how Larry Drew left that program and the season they had. Um, but nevertheless, UNC is going with Hubert Davis going forward. Blood is thicker than water. Hubert Davis with no co head coaching experience, but on the UNC staff for nine years. And the biggest Tar Heel for sure, definitely a, a you know, Tar Heel born, Tar Heel bred. John, what is uh, your take on Hubert Davis being the next head coach and succeeding? Roy Williams. Yeah, you mentioned the one and dones with Roy Williams. I think that Bubba Cunningham, UNC's athletic director, understood the time that we're in when it comes to college basketball. We're entering sort of a new phase for the sport with the one and dones building into one and done even if you're not going to the NBA. You can one and done transfer to another school, or you can uh, you know, take all of these other opportunities out there that exist, like going to the G League. Um, so you're recruiting kids, uh, and you're basically, you have to re-recruit them every single year, and you have to uh, keep them from going to the G League. And you also have to contend with this name, image, and likeness stuff that's gonna change the game for sure. It's going to impact how every single program runs its operations. So put all of this together. The game of college basketball is under rapid change. And Roy Williams is someone who's very stuck in his ways. He prefers things a very certain way. Um, Hubert Davis, I think, is an olive branch towards both the Carolina family, as you referenced. But he's also an olive branch towards this new era of college basketball. 
he's going to be able to connect with players. I think he's absolutely a player's coach. Um, his weaknesses is going to be around what exactly is his system and style. Uh, is he going to just carbon copy Coach Williams's the sort of North Carolina style that we've come to know, the two big system, the secondary break, or is he going to sort of chart his own path? Um, and it takes, you know, it takes. There's a reason why head coaching is hard. It takes a long time for you to kind of develop your system. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see if. Hubert Davis can sort of craft an offensive and defensive identity for himself as head coach while he's also sort of taking on the responsibility of shepherding the UNC program. So it's definitely going to be a huge challenge for Hubert Davis, but the reaction from the alumni, from the former players has been overwhelmingly positive today. Uh, I think that his press, press conference tomorrow, uh, we're recording this on Monday night, so uh, he's he's going to have an introductory press conference on that Tuesday. I think he's going to do very well with that sort of introductory uh, honeymoon period. Um, he's going to do well on the recruiting trail, but we'll see when it comes time to actually playing basketball how he'll do. Yeah, so on the same day that Justin Jackson is cut by OKC, Hubert is hired, and both have the same one-word reaction for me, predictable. We knew Justin Jackson wouldn't be a good NBA player coming out of UNC, so he is cut. And now we knew Hubert would be, you know, chosen. That's what I told you guys a week ago. He would be the next head coach, and it's predictable. And, you know, I'm not going to let this last episode go without me taking a shot. So there, there's one that Justin Jackson and UNC. But I was going back and forth between predictable and safe. And sometimes it has a negative connotation, but maybe not necessarily in this case. Hubert Davis been on the staff for nine years, and much like Duke, UNC wants to keep it in-house. Um, thank God, oh, when Hubert Davis moved from ESPN as an analyst to the bench to be an assistant coach, one, my reaction was thank God, because he by far had the most biased takes of anyone on ESPN, anyone I've ever heard, so I don't have to listen to that anymore. Thank you. And we also knew he was he was right right about to be groomed to be the next UNC head coach. There was talk of that as soon as he joined the bench. So not very surprising, pretty predictable in my opinion. Um, but you mentioned chart your own path for Hubert Davis, and he definitely needs to. He was a part of the coaching staff during Cole Anthony's year, which UNC had a terrible year. He was also part of his last year before Roy was uh, mentioned him. Uh, he was going to retire. How much news was there about transfers and people and players being upset? And he's on that coaching staff. So he couldn't get, apparently, he couldn't get to these players either. So he's going to need to find a new way to reach these players. He's very good at recruiting. He's going to be your best recruit. So that's, that, you know, that's a plus. Having no head coach experience, you know, we'll see how that goes. He's actually very similar to John Shire as an assistant. Shire is... So it used to be Jeff Capel that was mainly recruiting for Duke, the big talent. Now it's John Shire. Shire doesn't have head coaching experience, although I think he'd be a great coach. Now Hubert was a main recruiter for UNC, and now he's going to be a head coach. I think he'll do well. But let me say this. As a Duke fan, not I'm not too worried about it because there were big names out there that were outside of the UNC program. I don't think any of them actually ever had any – you know, weight to them. Names like Jay Wright, Mark Few, Tony Bennett, Brad Stevens. I think it was a lot of UNC fans 
wishful thinking and throwing names out there. And ones that I think were very credible was one Hubert Davis, Wes Miller, and then also Jerry Stackhouse. Jerry Stackhouse, I think, would have been a terrible hire. He hasn't done anything at Vanderbilt. So, And you mentioned that to me privately that Roy does not like him or have a good relationship with him, so not too surprising that he didn't get the job. I think Wes Miller is a fantastic coach. I think that would have been a, probably a better hire, in my opinion, just for a coaching perspective. But obviously time will tell. Um, but, yeah, Hubert Davis, he'll probably continue to – you know, recruit very well, but um, he'll have to prove himself as a head coach. And you're right, he needs to chart his own path. Yeah, I think that from if the roles were flipped here, if Coach K had retired and John Shire or Nolan Smith had taken over for Duke, I think that would be a relief to me as a UNC fan um, because it's going to be very hard to replace Coach K. It's very hard to replace Roy Williams. Um, and I don't think that uh, Hubert Davis is an upgrade in, in certain areas over Roy Williams, just like uh, Coach K. You would have to say it'd be a downgrade if you were going to Nolan Smith or John Shire. So I can understand that perspective from Duke fans. Um, I think, too, one thing that's going to be really interesting to watch is just how long a leash does Hubert Davis have to figure things Absolutely. out? Absolutely. Because this is a guy who's going to be in his first season as head coach. UNC has had two down seasons uh, historically. So there's not like there's not a ton of time for – it's not like UNC just won the national championship and they can sort of enter a rebuilding stage. The rebuilding was supposed to be happening the last two seasons, and yeah. Roy Williams was supposed to get to results this upcoming season. So oftentimes when head coaches join, it takes them a while to get going. Um, it's especially the case when it's your first time being head coach. It'll be really interesting to see if UNC is 4-4 four and four, you know, in December, or if UNC gets to the end of next season and they miss the NCAA tournament. Uh, just how long this honeymoon period is because family counts for a lot, but what ultimately matters in Chapel Hill is winning. You have to win. Yeah. This is a big-time program. UNC is not going to settle for the mediocrity that has come upon in Indiana or some of the other programs that were former Blue Bloods. I was going to say UCLA, but they just perked up a little <laughs> bit with the Final Four run. So I'm really curious to watch how long Hubert Davis has to sort of figure things out versus before it's time for him to really start playing some results. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I'm just going to go on a whim and say I give it three years to have success. If you don't have success after the second year, there's going to be a lot of talk. I think at three years, if you don't have success, I mean, I'm talking maybe a Swiss 16 Elite Eight run, you're going to be looking at new big names and probably outside of UNC too. Um, but we will see. And success for UNC, you know, success under Roy Williams meant national championships. I think yep. it's going to be challenging for Hubert Davis to get UNC back to that point because that's a really high bar, um, and UNC just hasn't recruited at a national championship level because you need uh, a really healthy mix of elite talent um, and then players to stay three, four years as well. But it's going to be really interesting to watch it play out. Where there's going to be a lot more talk of this 
as we go forward. Tyler, the final word. I make, yeah, I want to make one last point about the one and dones. Um, it's being it's increasingly difficult to get a complete class of like three to four or five stars like Duke and Kentucky have been doing in the past, you know, five, six years, because there are more coaches that are recruiting one and done high level one and does look at Mark few, look at Patrick Ewing and, you know, Chris Beard is also someone that thank God he signed with Texas because he would have worried me as a, as a um, UNC head coach, but yeah, you're right. Uh, also um, Tom Izzo is now getting, you know, better top end recruits. So, it's not like there's just a few schools that are recruiting these now. It's it's a wide range of schools having to compete for all these. So it's tougher to get, you know, a loaded class like Duke had in 2015 or, or something like that. In segment two, we'll talk through all things March Madness and talk a lot about the Baylor and Gonzaga game. What we were hoping would be a classic college basketball game turned out to be a little bit of a blowout. Let's, let's jump into segment two. Okay, so Gonzaga just fell to Baylor 86-70 to in the national championship game. Shout out to Baylor for winning this year's NCAA tournament, a fun tournament, one where classic Blue Bloods and a lot of big-name schools were not competitive, but we had a lot of the lower seeds advanced pretty far into the tournament. UCLA as an 11 seed was very fun to watch. They played very well. They made it to the Final Four and, of course, lost to Gonzaga over the weekend. Uh, but now we ended with a one seed versus a one seed, very predictable. I think I said, if not the second week, the, then it was a third week, the third episode, I said that there are two elite teams that are clearly separated from the rest of the um, of the college basketball sphere, and that is – Gonzaga and Baylor, and that Baylor was the only team that could give Gonzaga a run for the money. And look what Gonzaga did. They went undefeated to the very end where they met up with Baylor, and Baylor did end up beating them. Um, right into my reaction, John, what did you think of the game and uh, of the tournament overall? So it turns out picking ninth-seeded UNC to defeat Baylor was a bad idea for UNC. Shout out to uh, Kenny Smith for picking UNC and Kansas in the championship game and Kansas winning. He clearly <laughs> is just watching NBA on TNT and not not college basketball. Yeah. Um, no, but I agree with your overall take about the tournament. I thought it was a really fun tournament. Um, I'm going to remember Loyola Chicago. I'm going to remember Johnny Zhujiang from UCLA who just makes every single shot, it seemed yep. like. Um, there were some really exciting individual performances, some big upsets too. Like uh, I believe it was Oral Roberts, the 15 seed, who had the big upset early on. They kind of dominated yep. the first weekend. Um, but we were talking all college basketball season about this potential matchup between Gonzaga and Baylor. Who were supposed to meet in the regular season, by the way, and that was canceled due to COVID. That's right. So we were lucky to get this matchup. I think tonight specifically, though, Gonzaga was just so gassed after that game against UCLA. It looked like they got punched in the mouth early, and they just never quite quite recovered. But credit to Baylor as well. Baylor was excellent tonight. They hit a lot of tough threes. Um, every time that uh, you know Baylor seemed to maybe be on the on the edge of falling off their lead a little bit, uh, I think one point Gonzaga cut it to nine. Baylor, every single time 
put their foot back on Gonzaga's neck. And that's what championships, championship teams do. So it's fitting that Baylor is our champion this year. Uh, they had a COVID pause in the midseason. It caused some people to doubt them. But I think they proved it tonight. They are the champions, undisputed champions for sure. Uh, and they have earned their crown this season. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Baylor had one of the worst-timed COVID pauses. Probably it was like a two- or three-week pause, like right before their conference tournament. Um, and for them to regroup during the NCAA tournament and get it together and play like they had been all season before the pause is pretty damn impressive, and they're very deserving. The thing about March Madness is it's the most exciting tournament, but it doesn't always give us the two best teams playing in the end. This year it did, and that is very exciting because usually you don't see who you think are the two best teams playing against each other in a heavyweight matchup, and that um, that did deliver this season. Unfortunately, the game itself wasn't didn't really deliver just because it was a blowout most of the time, but there were still very good moments. Gonzaga made a, um, you know, a little bit of a push to make it at least interesting. Um, so, I mean, congrats to Baylor, and I think that team was tailor-made uh, to beat Gonzaga because Gonzaga loves to run, and they need to be able to score. But the thing about Baylor is that's the best collection of guards as a group I've ever seen. Every single one of them shoots the shit out of the ball. They all can handle, and they're very shifty. And then, most importantly, they all strap up. They all can play defense. And the one knock against Baylor was a little bit of the lack of size down low. But the reason that wasn't much of an issue is because with the lack of size, they do have quickness, though, down low. And with a lot of the bigger players, like Tilly, the thing, when he plays a, a guy that's his size, usually he's quicker. And he can, you know, get around them, and he's got very good footwork. You at, Shaquille O'Neal always says the harder pe he hated going against smaller, quicker defenders or big men like Charles Barkley, rather he'd rather go against um, a, a guy Shaq size because he's he can just you know mostly overpower, but he's just going to be quicker than him. So I think a little bit of that played in tonight. Tilly really struggled when everyone said he had the matchup coming in, but when you have guards that can pressure the ball like Baylor does, it makes it hard for the entries. And then quick post defenders, not necessarily huge, like you know six ten seven feet, but um, I think the quickness really bothered Gonzaga. And you know in the end. We get a very great basketball season with the two clear best teams playing against each other, and uh, Baylor comes out victorious. Yeah, one final note as well. I know this is no fun to talk about, but it's impressive that they were able to pull this tournament off. There was only one game that was canceled because of COVID. Yep. It definitely could have gone way wrong if something would have happened, um, but they got basically every game in that they needed to get in. So yep. kudos to the NCAA, kudos to all the athletes stuck in the bubble. They made it happen, and it was a really, really fun tournament. So hopefully by this time next year, there won't need to be a bubble or anything like that, but they were able to pull it off. The one sporting event, really, that got canceled last year in 2020 because of coronavirus, this year it was a success. Yep, and with that, let's jump into our final segment of this episode and of the season. We're going to talk about the transfers and recruiting for Duke and UNC and looking ahead to uh, next season, hopefully with fans. Okay, so the final segment of the season, 
John, let's start with UNC. A lot of transfer rumors. Obviously, we have we already talked about Roy Williams retiring. So a very hectic, you know, off season, if you will. Go ahead and, and uh, take the viewers through the transfer news and um, recruiting updates. So, as we talked about on last week's episode, it's a unique off season. Everyone who is a senior is allowed to come back for a super senior season. Um, everyone who is uh, able to come back is also able to transfer anywhere without sitting out. So you have this situation where there's a lot of roster turmoil. And for North Carolina, it definitely played out with the word turmoil in mind. Um, UNC had their star, uh, maybe not star, but elite freshman big man, Walker Kessler, transfer away. He hasn't announced yet where he's transferring to, but he's decided to leave Chapel Hill. And that was definitely a big shockwave. People were not expecting that. Um, he decided... Who wasn't expecting that? There was rumblings of that for months. We mentioned that a few episodes ago. Within the UNC program, though, I think it still came as a shock because that's just not something that happened a lot under Roy Williams. Um, so maybe the, the talks were external, but the fact when it finally happened, it definitely was shocking to everyone on the inside. UNC uh, also had a couple of smaller transfers. Um, Sterling Manley, a reserve big man, and Walker. He's in his eighth year at UNC, it seems. Yeah, and he's on, you know, his eighth uh, knee surgery at this point. He's really had to work (laughs) hard. like me, John. (laughs) (laughs) He's had to work hard to recover from all those different surgeries, but he's going to end up somewhere playing. Um, and then Walker Miller, a uh, walk-on big man, he's also headed out. He's going to play at a different school. I would guess with his uh, family member, Wes Miller, at UNCG. So there is some turmoil there. However, Caleb Love, UNC's freshman point guard, he did announce he was going to stay for his sophomore and season. And that was a big shock, too. That's more shocking than Kessler leaving is Caleb Love staying. Yes, and that was a big one for UNC to secure him for next season. Uh, there's still no official announcement from Armando Baycott. The sort of consensus is that he'll either stay or he'll put his name in the NBA draft waters, uh, not hire an agent, and then come back to UNC. Uh, and then everyone else is pretty much safe at this point. So Kerwin, Leakey, uh R.J. Davis, you name it, even Puff Johnson, everyone else. Looks like they're staying. UNC's two recruits as well. Um, They're going to stay despite the coaching transition. Uh, They announced that they both will be staying um, now that Hubert Davis is the head coach. So a ton of turmoil for UNC, and it's not done yet. They could still add a freshman or two. They could also add someone on the transfer portal. Tyler, how about Duke? John, real quick. uh... Updates on uh, Garrison Brooks or Playtech, super senior years? Yeah, Playtech seems pretty likely to come back to UNC, um, but I'm not sure. I mean, honestly, it could be a situation where Hubert says, hey, Playtech, um, you know. Get out of here. Yeah, we're going to move on. <laughs> it could totally happen. So I think that'll yeah. be interesting to watch. Garrison um, expected back at this point, yeah. but that one is still not set in stone either. I think that's another one that could be impacted by Hubert, yeah. um, but it's going to be really interesting 
to see both of those guys if they want to come back for another ride with a new head coach. Yeah, it seemed maybe two weeks ago, right after Kessler transferred, there was about to be a mass exodus out of UNC. Kessler had left. Dayron Sharp declared for the draft. The reason people thought Love and Baycott were leaving is because both their parents were very vocal on Twitter um, talking about time for a change and sometimes, you know, the situation you're in isn't the best for you. A lot of people thought Caleb Love was leaving and Baycott was going to leave too. And then there was a question about, you know, Garrison Brooks returning. And, you know, it, if if Baycott leaves, Garrison leaves, Caleb Love is really the only one that stays from that group. It's going to be a very difficult first year for Hubert Davis. It's not like there's a crazy recruiting class. And he's going to have to tr- hit the transfer portal very hard. A lot of the good transfers are already taken, though. Yeah. And it's really, even though there's going to be a lot more transfers to come, the best ones have really already chosen. So yeah. I don't know how much good the transfer portal can do. I'm hoping that UNC gets another like Justin Pierce and Christian yeah. Keeling because it would be nice to see them lose more, game, more games with transfers of that caliber. There's 1,100 players or something in the transfer portal, but if all of them are bad, it's not like you can add three transfers together and like make yeah. them into one good player. There's something a lot people of players. Don't... Something people don't realize is there are going to be players that enter this transfer portal and don't get picked up by any team. They're just stuck in the transfer portal. So that'll be interesting to see how many get stuck in the portal. And maybe that deters some players from doing it in the future. I'm assuming the best players are are going to still transfer, but some of the role players that want to be stars, maybe that keeps them at their school. Uh, But let's jump into um, Duke's recruiting and uh, also the transfers. So, um, unsurprisingly, Jordan Goldwire is transferring, but he, a lot of, I don't know why Duke fans on Twitter were surprised by this. He mentioned in an Instagram post, uh, during his last game at Camry, he said one last ride. So, I mean, we already knew he was leaving and then there was some shock as why he would transfer. Clearly to go overseas, you got to be able to score. So he's got to transfer to a team where he's going to be the, one of the primary scoring options and he'll continue his playing career overseas after that. Um, Biggest shock to me is DJ Stewart leaving uh, because he is not NBA ready at all. He's about to get – he's just too damn small. He has like a high school frame still, and he's jumping to the NBA. So his first couple of years, I think he'll struggle. And that was a particular blow to Duke just because a second-year DJ Stewart would have been massive. And it would have been – you probably would have been in discussion for, you know, most improved player or even maybe ACC player of the year as one of the best guards, uh, one of the more highly anticipated guards returning. But nevertheless, he decides to leave, which was the day before Duke's newest five-star recruit was committing. So the writing was on the wall. Trevor Keels is now a Duke Blue Devil joining um, A.J. Griffin and Paolo Banchero. So now Duke has a number three recruiting class and – a pretty damn good one, a much better one than before because these freshmen coming in have NBA size, more or less. They definitely have, you know, good college size, which this last recruiting class did not have. So I'm very excited. There's one more puzzle to the piece that these three new recruits are trying to recruit, and that's Patrick Baldwin Jr. If he chooses Duke, cancel the season, Duke's winning it. I promise you, Duke is going to win if he comes. But I don't think he is going to win to come. Um he is very good friends with Jalen Johnson. And once Jalen Johnson left, or let me first start by saying during Pat Baldwin Jr.'s recruiting profile, he mentioned, oh, um, before 
this season that he was very interested in, in Jalen Johnson's experience at Duke and was going to be talking to him. Jalen Johnson left and obviously didn't have a good experience. And then right after Jalen Johnson left, we got the crystal ball predictions now shifting away from Duke. Seems like they're losing ground, and Pat Bowen Jr. is probably going to go with his father in Milwaukee. We will see. I still had hope that he would choose Duke, but Duke is going after this transfer from Furman. Sorry, I'm, I'm blanking on his name right now. This is like a 6'8", kind of big. That's very lengthy. He can shoot it. Plays the exact same position, essentially, as Pat Baldwin. So that tells me that Duke knows they're not going to get him, and they're looking for a transfer that plays the same position. So I would not expect at this point for Patrick Baldwin Jr. to come to Duke, even though the other three recruits are really trying to get him to come. Uh, two other transfers and Duke's – or sorry, one more transfer to note in Duke's um, offseason right now is Jamin Brakefield, which – not very surprising to me because going forward, Duke's got a lot of forwards, uh, and he was just wasn't going to get that much playing time. I do think he has a very good attitude, though. I think he's one of my favorites that's come through Duke. Um, very supportive of the team throughout the season, even when he wasn't playing, and um, supportive of Nate James getting a new coaching job even after Jamin announced his portal. So a very good kid. I, I'm wishing him best in the future. Uh, I can understand his decision. So that just about wraps up Duke's recruiting uh, profile for next season, looking to add one more piece that which would certainly move Duke to the number one recruiting class next year. They have a couple transfers in Goldwire and uh, Jamin Brakefield. DJ declared for the draft. Still waiting on a word from Matthew Hurt. And then also Wendell Moore, I guess, is still up in the air. Um, so a lot going on for both Duke and UNC right now. Yeah, we are it on April 5th at this point and there's still a lot that can change between now and September. Maybe Pat Baldwin will get a call from Hubert Davis and you know start the start the connection. Twitter is going off about the potential for Pat Baldwin Jr. to go to UNC. I think Kentucky and Georgetown are also in the race as well. I think Pat Baldwin uh, took a look. He saw what was going on with the Brotherhood. He's like, ah, I don't know about the Brotherhood, but this Carolina <laughs> family, yeah, that looks interesting. The yeah. family with this this mass exodus coming, yes. And no, <laughs> a no, long no. way away from that with Pat Baldwin picking UNC. I, I don't think that'll happen, but it's been a really interesting season to talk about UNC and Duke each week. It'll be an interesting summer for sure. I'm glad we got to talk about Hubert, got to talk about Roy leaving as well, because that was some big news. Uh, UNC does not change head coaches often, so uh, we'll see how long Hubert is able to stay if he fits the mold and he stays here at UNC a long time. Uh, this really will be a big, uh, big transition, big period for, for UNC. Tyler, any final thoughts before we wrap up for tonight? Yes. Um... A very fun first season for us. First time podcasting. It's been a long time coming. Um, felt we got you know better at it throughout the season. And unfortunately, you know the first time in my life that Duke has missed a tournament is the first year that we decided to do the podcast. But you know there are a lot better times coming in the immediate future. It's going to be very fun for Duke fans and for me on this podcast next year. Duke seems to be probably a top five team next year, you know, depending on Pat Baldwin's decision. UNC is not going to be ranked, it seems. So I look forward to next season with you, John. 
It's the announcer's jinx, Tyler. You joined the <laughs> podcast, you joined the media world, and now Duke is cursed. Uh, so, you know what? I think the curse is going to last at least one more season next year. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna mess with Duke's mojo again potentially, but we will see. Shout out to everyone who's listened to us throughout the year. Thanks for tuning in. Um, we had a really consistent audience over the over the course of the season, so we appreciate everyone who listened. Tyler, any final shout outs? Uh, one last shout out of our Twitter account. Uh, I can't with anyone off the top of my head. Maybe shout out to my dad for being our number one listener. <laughs> That's right. I was going to give him a shout out. He, he did a good job. Uh, he did a good job interacting with us on, on Locker Room too. So big shout out to, to him. Shout out to Dustin. I know Dustin has listened to every episode. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. For the final time, you can follow us at Tar Devil Podcast um, on Twitter and also, you can subscribe and listen weekly um, on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts at Tar Devils Pod. We look forward to next season and you all tuning in then. Absolutely.